so much for this day, God. We just, this is the day that you've made, God, and we're going to rejoice in it, Lord. We're going to rejoice in this day, God. We're going to love you and decide, Lord, to, to let you lead us, to let you guide us, to let you love us. And, and in that, Lord, show us how to love others, God. I ask you for this service, God. I ask you for this, this message, Lord, these words, Lord. I'm nothing but your vessel, God. I'm, I'm your vessel, Lord. Just use me, God. Use me, Lord. Speak through me, Lord. Let your word, God, just penetrate our souls. Let everything that comes out of my mouth, Lord, be words that come from you, God. I thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So my sermon today is, uh, for those of you that are taking notes, uh, my sermon today is called, my sermon today is called um, Politico and Antithesis to Today's World. Antithesis means a contrast between two things, two things that are completely different. And so as I go through the sermon, you guys will understand the, the subtitle of this message. Um, so we're just gonna, I'm just going to dive into it and just share it with you guys. I feel like this world today, it's, it's so easy to get lost in, in, in what's going on today. Like there's so much happening. And so because there's so much happening, I feel like it's very easy to just get lost in something. Whether it's entertainment, ambition, your own personal lives. Like it's so easy to get lost in that. It's so easy to get lost in, in politics sometimes. Especially when they seem like how they're, you know, how it's going now, um, and causes and, 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 and different things like that. It's easy to get lost in those things. And, and sometimes, you know, it may seem like a lot. And I don't know if you guys have ever felt like this, but it, I, I'm a big thinker. And my husband so lovingly pointed it out this week. <laughs> I think a lot. And for me, it's, it's easy to get lost in my thoughts and in, in, in the things that matter to me and the things that I care about. It's, it's easy to get lost in them. And sometimes, I don't know if you guys are with me on, on this, but sometimes I feel like, God, you know, what, what do I, like how do I prioritize all of these things that I have going on in my life? Like how do I prioritize them? Like what, what's more important? What should I focus on the most? And what should I focus on the least? And sometimes there's, there's so much pressure to make the right choice, right? Like, what is the right choice? Like, what school do I go to? What career do I choose? Like, I don't want to fail in life. What job do I go for? Should I switch jobs? Should I take that new job or stay here? You know, like, th there's a lot of choices. There's so much going on. So it's easy to get lost and it's easy to feel lost. But I think that in moments like these, if we were to just stop and ask God, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want us to do, Lord? And I think that for us and for everybody really is the key to figuring our life out. So if you guys want to join me, I'm going to go to 1 Timothy. And uh, I'm going to go to 1 Timothy chapter 2. And I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. Amen. You guys there? 
The first thing I want to do, I'm sorry, the first thing I want you to do is pray. Pray every way you know how for everyone you know. Pray especially for rulers and their governments to rule well so we can be quietly about our business of living simply in, hum in humble contemplation. This is the way our Savior God wants us to live. I feel like um, we have the privilege of living in, in this nation, the United States. I feel like it's a good nation. I don't know anything other than the U.S. I wasn't born outside of here. I was born here in Martin Luther King Hospital off the 105. <laughs> so I was born there. So I don't know anything else. I don't know any other country other than, than the U.S. You know, freedom of speech, equal rights, kind of. Um, and God bless America, right? That's what we've been taught. God bless America. But I want to ask you guys, how involved is God in America? Or how much... Is America allowing God to be involved? How much involvement is this nation allowing God to have today? In 1962, the Supreme Court had a case, Engel versus Vital. At that time, the state of New York uh, passed a law in which after the Pledge of Allegiance, the schools would be able to recite a non-denominational prayer. But a lot of people had a problem with that. And so they took it all the way up to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court decided that they didn't want to have any affiliation or any association with one religion. So they said, we're not going to associate with Christianity. We're going to disassociate ourselves from that one religion. And by doing that, they removed prayer from school. So we don't have prayer in school anymore, in, in public schools. If we go to 1973, Roe versus Wade. You guys know that? Roe versus Wade? A woman in Texas was pregnant and wanted to have an abortion. And at the time, Texas state law said that women didn't have the ability to have an abortion unless their life was in danger. And so this name, this, this, this woman who we know as Roe, but whose real name is Norma McCorvey, she, she lawyered up and, and, and her case went all the way to the Supreme Court. And, and in the Supreme Court, in, in the cases, what she said was, she said that she became pregnant because she was raped. And so rape was a, was a, a driving force in getting Roe versus Wade approved. And so 46 states in our country had to change their laws. And now women were able to abort their baby for any reason that they saw fit. The crazy thing about Norma McCorvey is that later on she came out and she said that she was never gang raped. It was a lie. So the driving force in Roe versus Wade was based upon a lie. She later, later after that, she said, I changed my mind. I want to have Roe versus Wade reversed. But isn't that crazy? 
if we fast forward now to 2015, we have Obergefell versus Hodges. In this case, the Supreme Court ruled to redefine marriage as we know it. Marriage between a man and a woman. Marriage, the covenant that God created, is now redefined. It's no longer between a man and a woman, but it's whoever wants to get married. So again, I ask you guys, what is God's involvement in this great nation of ours? As followers, I, I ask myself, are we too distracted? Are we too busy? Or are we complacent? What are we doing to keep our good God relevant, pure, and honest? What are we doing to keep God relevant? What are we doing to keep his word, his gospel pure, and us, his people, honest? In our representation of him. What are we doing towards that as believers? If you guys can join me, let's go to, uh, to Genesis. Chapter 3. And just give me an amen when you're there. So we're going to read verses 1 through 6. And it says... The serpent was clever, more clever than any wild animal God had made. He spoke to the woman, do I understand that God told you not to eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, not at all. We can eat from the trees in the garden. It's only about the tree in the middle of the garden that God said, don't eat from it. Don't even touch it or you'll die. The serpent told the woman, you won't die. God knows that the moment you eat from that tree, you'll see what's really going on. You'll be just like God, knowing everything, ranging all the way from good to evil. When the woman saw that the tree looked good, good I'm sorry, that the tree looked like good eating, and realized what she would get out of it, she'd know everything. She took and ate the fruit and then gave some to her husband, and he ate, and he ate. Today, I believe that we have allowed modern day, this is going to sound rough, it's kind of rough to say, but I, I believe today we've allowed modern day serpents to redefine our beliefs and our lives and how we live our lives. Who is forming our thoughts and beliefs? We have, we have companies who study us and using colors, visuals, and emotions. They sell us on ideas and on, 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 on new truths. And this is exactly what happened in the garden. It's exactly what happened to Adam and Eve. They were sold this new truth. And it was presented in a really beautiful way. The serpent connected with their emotions. And that happens with us. On top of that, things get a little tricky for us 
when these, these biblical truths that we believe in, the biblical truths that we believe in, that we hold so dear to, are, are challenged by uh, our personal relationships, like family, friends, coworkers, who live certain lifestyles and make certain choices. That's when it gets a little tough. Because we see like, oh, but it, it's my brother. And it's my sister. And I know them. And they're such a good person. The thing is, is that I, I don't want you guys to think that I'm saying that that people, that, that these people, or even if they're in our lives, I'm not saying that these people in our lives are bad. What I'm saying is that now because we're, we have an emotional connection, it's easy for us to be deceived. It's easy for us to be complacent. It's easy for us to give up on the, truth, the truths that God has shown us because our emotions are now involved. Let's go to... Uh, Genesis, same chapter, but verse 10. You guys all there? Okay. He said, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid. God said, who told you you were naked? Did you eat from that tree I told you not to eat from? Who told you you were naked? God asked Adam. Who told you you were naked? Who, who taught you what it was to be afraid? Or in other words, at this moment, God is asking Adam, who's teaching you? Who's influencing you? What, what place now are you, are you getting your values from and morals what place, where did this happen? Where, where is this coming from? Who, who is teaching you these things? Why are you now looking at this from a different perspective? Who told you you were naked and who taught you to be afraid? The enemy came. The serpent came into a perfect environment a perfect environment, and introduced sin. And Adam and Eve became sinners. And so now Adam and Eve could no longer function in this perfect environment free from sin. It was difficult for them to function, now knowing their nakedness, now knowing and, and being afraid. They could no longer function in this perfect, sinless, pure garden anymore. They couldn't live there anymore. And now, today, it's a reversal of that. The enemy has created a sinful environment. An environment nothing like the garden. And now we, God's perfect creation, we now sometimes feel inadequate in this environment. We feel like we can't express goodness. We feel like we can't express the truth. We now have become afraid. The enemy has reversed things and twisted things and corrupted things for us. Today and age, 
I am now a bigot. I am now a religious freak. I now can't really voice my opinions openly and freely, my biblical opinions freely, because I'm judgmental. What is this? What's happening? What, what has happened to us? And we're allowing it to happen. We're just taking this in and allowing it to be. We're allowing the enemy to shut us up. Powerful believers. We're shutting up because we're afraid of our nakedness. We're afraid of our truth. Let's go to Isaiah 5.20. You guys there? Doom to you who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness in a place of light a lot, and light in place of darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Doesn't this sound like what's happening today? I can't say that I believe in God's definition of marriage, without being called a bigot. I can't say that. It's tough to say that now, right? So now we're in this place where good is bad and bad is good. You guys with me? Okay. Thank you for being with me. 2016 has been such a, such a polarizing year, year. This year we've seen a, a really huge split. This year we've, we've seen drastically the them and us in, in a lot of things. Not just in faith, not just in religion, but in, in a lot of other things. We've seen the them and the us. We've seen the split. And this upcoming election... For me, I feel like it's the exclamation point to that contrast. For me, the two candidates that we have, for me, leave me feeling a little bit shortchanged if I'm honest with you. I'm, I'm, I don't feel too good <laughs> either way. I feel very shortchanged. But this election is so important. It's so important that you take time to consider how high the stakes are. It's, it's now time that, that we apply what we read in 1 Timothy chapter 2. We have to pray in every way that we know so that we can be guided, so that we can align ourselves with the Father, so we can align ourselves with God. I can't tell you how important it is for you to seriously, seriously take time to ask God, what do you want, God? Not what do I want to see, God, but what do you want? When I was preparing this message, I got really into it. I got really, really into it. And for a while, 
you guys were going to get a message of my flesh. <laughs> and I was just going at it like, yeah, and I'm going to say that, and I'm going to say this, and I'm, I'm just typing away. And I, I showed it to my husband, and he was like, some of that seems kind of harsh. And so I reread it, and uh, I said, you know what, God, I, what do you want to say? How do you want to talk about this? Like, what, what do you want me to say? And my, uh, a lot of it changed <laughs> after that, which, you know, he knows what, what's best. I want you to know that, that I'm not here. Mario and I would never use, we don't want to use <laughs> our platform here to influence you and in how you vote. I'm not here to tell you how to vote. I'm not here to do that. It's not my place. But you should make this choice partnered with God. This isn't a choice that you make on your own. Our choices, I, I want you guys to know this, our choices have consequences. We're susceptible to making a wrong choice. I can make a lot of wrong choices. And, and they might come with consequences. But God's choices, his choices are destiny. There's no room for mistake in his choices. His choices are destiny. My choices, there's a chance for a little error there. Maybe a lot of error there sometimes. But he doesn't. Not his choices. Personally, for me, I can't support somebody who believes that a fetus is not a human and therefore has no constitutional rights. I can't. It doesn't sit right with me. Do you guys know what late-term abortion is? Late-term late abortion is when... A woman has the ability to carry the baby all the way to the ninth month or whenever and still be able to say, nah, I changed my mind. I believe that there should be no buyer's remorse with a baby. I can't just change my mind with a baby. And I, I can't stand for that. For me personally, that issue is... Is so important that I, I can't stand for that. I feel like, like doing that is so, so heinous. It's, it's disgusting. I, I can't stand for that. Before I, I go into that a little more, I, I have to say that. I don't want to continue to move forward with it before I say that God is good. God is a redeemer. He is full of forgiveness he is full of mercy, and he loves us. And one thing that we don't talk about enough is the effects after an abortion. And I've been able to talk to a few women about this, and they've poured out their heart to me, and it's been heartbreaking to hear the guilt that they carry, the guilt that women and men carry after, after dealing with an abortion. We don't talk about it enough. But, but people who have been through that, 
carry deep remorse, deep guilt, condemnation. It's, it's difficult and heavy for them to, to deal with. So I can't speak on this subject lightly because there's so much to it. There's people who have gone through an abortion and now are dealing with, with the consequences of it. And we as a church, I feel like we don't really talk about this enough. But I want to say if, if, if there's anybody that, that's listening on the podcast that I, I want you to know that God knows that you're going through a difficult time. And he has forgiveness for you. He forgives you. He loves you. He understands you. There is redemption for you. You are not alone in this. You don't have to go through this on your own. God is a redeemer. And he can redeem everyone. He's here to redeem everyone. He loves everyone. There's no lost cause for him. I'm going to talk about abortion a little bit, as if you guys didn't know. There is a side which are pro-choice, and the pro-choice movement says that. They say that um, a fetus isn't, isn't a human. And so, therefore, it's okay to dispose of it. It's merely balls of, of tissue that they're disposing of. So it's not murder. You know, the same argument, the, the not human argument was made for slavery and for Jewish people. The same argument was used. And I don't know if you guys know this, this man, but I, I've, Mario introduced me to this person. His name's uh, Ben Shapiro. And he said this, he posed this idea. He said that the abortion... And slavery argument are exactly the same in that both believe that one side has full say over the other based on ownership. In other words, back in the day, somebody that bought a slave, someone that was brought from Africa, let's say, and a man bought him, that person was now his property. That person now belonged to him. That person was now living on his land. So it was up to that person to decide whether this slave was going to be a person or property. They were going to decide the conditions of their work, the type of food they ate, and whether he disposed of them or not. Whether he decided to sell them or kill them, it was up to the owner because that was the owner's property. I, I, just, I just don't believe that just because a baby is inside of you, you can make a life or death choice for them. You can't. We visited my parents yesterday, and uh, I have a new nephew. He's about three weeks old. He's the cutest little thing. He's so tiny. And just holding him yesterday and just looking at his little hands and my dad and, and my, my family, we were talking about this, this subject and, and we were talking about late-term abortion and how somebody the size of my, my nephew could be aborted. A five-pound baby 
could be aborted. We as a church, we've been, we've been very irresponsible and neglectful. Because we are not speaking about this enough. We have shamed women and men who've done this and are seeking redemption. We've not talked about saving ourselves for marriage in a healthy way. We've mostly said, or it's been mostly said, sex is bad, don't do it until you're married. But that has no results. We have hated more than we've loved. And we have a part in this too. We can't just point a finger. I can't just point a finger because I haven't spoken about it enough. I haven't done enough. We as a church haven't done enough. There's always more that we can do and we need to change that. And I believe that we here, we're going to change that. We're going to talk to people. We're going to love on people. We're going to speak about God's morals and values because they're good. God's morals and values are not antiquated. They're meant to be everlasting. I want us to start to educate each other, educate the church about what's going on, even using science and the miracle in science. It's crazy how miraculous science can be. In the month of September, my husband and I, the whole entire month was, was very interesting for us because um, we started seeing a fertility doctor. And it was, it was really awesome. It, we, were, we learned a lot. Honestly, we were very educated that whole month. We learned a lot about human conception and how much effort it takes to conceive a child. And how it's not just a whoops, it's not just on a whim. You have to be ovulating to conceive a baby. You have to time it right. Your body has to be in the right condition. It's not by chance. It's not an accident. My husband and I, we were able to, to go to the doctor and, uh, you know, when you go, they test you. They, they, uh, they wanted to make sure that my, our reproductive organs were okay. And uh, so I had a, um, oh, my gosh, I'm losing the name here. I had a uh, ultrasound done. And in that ultrasound, they're able to look into your ovaries and tell you how many eggs you have in each ovary. And so the doctor's like, you know, look, this is your right ovary. This is your left ovary. You have such and such eggs in this side, and you have such and such eggs on that side. And so, you know, we saw that. After that, we had to take medication so that that little egg can, can come out and, and, and start developing and eventually drop and ovulate and miracle of life. Ta-da. But the amazing thing was going, we went to the doctor pretty much every week, sometimes twice a week, and we were able to track the growth of this egg. It started at 4 millimeters, and then it jumped to 10 millimeters. And then it jumped to 20, 22. Finally at 26 it was released. And you're able to track this, this follicle. And you, you see the growth that, 
that this egg goes through, the process that this egg goes through to, to, to be dropped into your womb. So then when you go and be intimate with your, with your husband, his sperm can come and fertilize the egg and a baby comes out from that. It's amazing. It's beautiful. It's, it's so amazing to see how, how detailed God is. How perfect he created this plan for us. It's amazing. A baby, there's, at that moment, we both understood that there's no way in heaven or on earth that a baby could be an accident. There's no way. And so we, we need to start talking about these things. We need to start sharing this. Let's go to Jeremiah 1.5. Before I shaped you in the womb, I knew all about you. Before I saw the light of day, I had holy plans for you. A prophet to the nations, that's what I had in mind for you. This is what, what, what God said of Jeremiah. I don't know how many of you guys are in here are going to be a prophet. But if you're not a prophet, I know that you still have a purpose. And this is what God is saying about you. He's saying that before you were an egg in your mother's womb, he knew you. And he had a purpose for you. He already knew what you were going to become. Before you became an egg in your mommy's ovaries, he knew who you were going to be. So why antithesis to today's world? Why am I, am I saying that, that this message is a contrast to what's happening in the world today? I was talking to Kevin, I think this week or last week, and uh, he asked me this really awesome question. And it got, it got me thinking about kingdom and, and how we should respond as a kingdom of God. Where do we function from? How do we function? What, what decisions and choices should we make? And so the question was posed, if a mother's life was in danger, if, if, if the doctor came to you and said, you can have this baby, but you're going to die, or you both will die, what would you do? And so Mario and I sat on the couch, <laughs> and I asked him this question. I said, honey, if I was going to die, what would you do? And he said, uh, I'd let the baby live. And I was like, you would kill me. <laughs> but he said, yes. Thanks. Just kidding. He said, yeah. And, and I'm thinking about that. And I mean, I was thinking about that. And then um, later on that week, he sent me the story, Kevin did, of, uh, that he's reading in this, this book. And um, the story was that this, this woman was pregnant 
with her baby. I don't know it specifically, okay? I'm going to miss some spots. I'm sorry. I don't want to butcher it. But this woman was pregnant. Actually, you know what, guys? You guys want me to read it to you? I'm sure I can find it. Thank God for messenger. In September 2005, a couple of a young a couple of young people came to Bethel's ministry school. Kirsten was from Switzerland and Tyson was an American. They fell in love and it was not long before they were married. They so adored each other that watching them interact was like imagining a scene out of a romantic novel. Soon, Kirsten was pregnant with their first child and their life took on an ecstatic joy that I have rarely ever observed. That same year, Kirsten won our school's highest honor, the, the M. Earl Johnson Award, which is only given to two, stu two students per class for their outstanding character, achievement, and anointing. Kirsten and Tyson were on top of the world, and uh, we were all being pulled along in the wake of their elation. Then suddenly, something terrible happened. Early in Kirsten's pregnancy, she returned from the doctor with a serious report of stage four cancer that had spread through most of her body. She was rushed to a specialist who confirmed her uh, condition. The doctors felt uh, confident that they could save her life if she began treatment immediately, but they explained that the chemotherapy would likely kill the baby. The choice was clear. Either abort the baby and live, or carry the child to full term and die. Kirsten did not hesitate. Her mind was made up. She would give up. She would give up her life to save her child, if necessary. Five months later, a healthy baby boy named Kalani came into the world to two very excited parents. Kalani means heavenly. And he was certainly a gift from God. In the meantime, our church prayed, fasted, and warred over Kristen's condition. But eight months after this heavenly child was born, his earthly mother was gone. Most people spend their existence trying to save their life, wondering, way, wondering why they, uh, they are really, I'm sorry, <sighs> wondering why they are never really fulfilled. Maybe Mick Jagger said it best when he sang his song titled, I Can Get No Satisfaction. But Kirsten had the courage to lay down her life so that someone else would live. And it ends with, do you. I know that that's tough and maybe not all of us could do that, but I think that's a perfect example of kingdom. What is better than to lay your life for someone that you love? I'm sure Jesus didn't hesitate to do that. I mean, Jesus didn't hesitate to do that for us. I just, I want to encourage you all to take the privilege you've been given seriously and pray in every way that you can and know how. For guidance. In 2008, in 2008, some people voted for Barack Obama just because he was black. 
and they wanted to see a black president. He earned their vote just because of the color of their skin, uh, the color of his skin. And while I know this is a huge stride, and I want us to break barriers, I want us to make history. I want the people making history to deserve to make that history. I want the people that we elect to deserve to be in the position that they hold. Let's not buy into the hype. We are not of this world. Let's stand for what God stands for. Don't be deceived by slogans and false truths. Remember who you are. And remember what you stand for. I know that there's a lot of hurt in our world. And I know that there are a lot, a lot of things that need changing. But I believe that God has called us to such a time as this. Like he called Esther to stand up and make a difference. To stand up in courage and see things change. To be bold. So church, don't settle. Be bold. Be righteous. Be godly. Be led by the Lord. Because he is so eager. He is so eager to be there to lead you, to guide you. So Father, in your name, Jesus, we ask for your guidance, Lord. We ask for your direction, God. We ask that you reveal things to us, Lord. Show us what we need to see, God. Give us what we need, Lord. We don't want to be complacent. We don't want to be distracted. We don't want things to change right in front of our eyes, and we didn't do anything about it. We want to fight for what is right, Lord. Talk to your Father right now. Talk to your God. Talk to Jesus. He knows what to do. He knows what to do. He knows what is right. And he has the answer. Thank you for listening to the Grace and Love podcast. We hope you were blessed by this message. If you have a prayer request, we would love to hear from you. Please feel free to contact us. And if you're in the LA area, we would love to meet you. We have services Sundays at 2 p.m. and Fridays at 8 p.m. We are located at 1900 Medford Street, Montebello, California, 90640. Thanks again, and God bless you.